life forms. You tiny little life forms. You precious little life forms. Where are you? Oh, you precious little life forms. Let me tell you something. The Golden Stallion here. I've got something really special this week. The all new intros for the segments are here. But I want to give you fair warning. Some of you are new to the show and you've never heard the stories from the Sovereign Universe. Now, you can find out about this by going to the SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash Sovereign Tech. And there's a playlist there with all the Sovereign Universe, all the fictional stories. But I just got to warn you. This stuff gets really sexy. I mean, really sexy. So turn it off now if that kind of thing turns you off. Uh, just letting you know, whoo, here we go. Let's get to that old sovereign tech because we're in for a wild ride. Woo! Just when you thought it was safe to put on your headphones, you entered the darkest wildest, sexiest depths of technology. And here to keep you on the bleeding edge of science, tech, and ethics is the Rated R Radio Star, the man of tomorrow, the golden stallion of the tech world, Brian Sovereign. He has a huge brain. And now, here's Brian. Woo! I got the emails from people saying, Woo! Stallion! We need that weekly excitement! We need that weekly good time! We need that hot noose! And I said, baby, don't worry, because this is the dealer! This is the dealer, right here! Woo! Sovereign Tech, ready to go for you! The Golden Stallion, the man of tomorrow, Savzu, the rated R, woo! Radio Star! Ready to bring it on. Coming to you from Studio 2, baby. Oh, I'll tell you. There was actually a poll uh, taken in the the Sovereign Tech Uncensored Facebook group where they decided to call it (laughs) instead of... Instead of Studio 2, they're like, all right, what should we name this thing? Because I had been saying to Sovereign Tech patrons who have seen the studio on video, because I've been doing the the live hangouts and everything uh, right from the studio here, uh, they, you know, I was saying, I'm not sure what I'm going to end up calling this thing. Maybe I'll call it the Wolf's Lair, because if you know, if you listen to the fictional episodes of Sovereign Tech, which you can find on SoundCloud uh, in the playlist, um, you know, people will know what the Wolf's Lair means. You know, what should I call it? Then somebody, just brilliant, actually not just somebody, but Daryl W. Perry of FPP.cc, who's a fan of the show, um, he said, what about BDSM, Brian's Dungeon of Sex and Magic? Woo! And, and there was a poll that was taken, and, and so far, that's the winning vote right there. It's between, really, the Wolf's Lair and Brian's Dungeon of Sex and Magic. So if you have thoughts on this, and I know because I know a lot of you, uh, the thousands and thousands aren't in uh, the Facebook group, which kudos to you, <laughs> you know. Uh, but uh, uh, if you want to email me and tell me what you you think I should name the studio, you please feel free let me know but i thought that that was awesome brian's dungeon of sex and magic Woo, baby talking about some other exciting things let me tell you about what came out last night and of course i'm recording this on uh, july 15th 2017 so it would have been friday night and you know friday nights are always hot but they're a little bit hotter last night when sex and science hour 
came back for season four. Aired out of nowhere. Everybody was waiting. It had been a, well, I think it had been more than two months. <laughs> it might have been like three months. Where's the show? And whoo, it's back. And what a great time it was. Boy, I'll tell you, it was late at night, though. I started getting a little tired towards the end. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I thought it was, it was, as usual, it was just so much fun to do. The lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy and I, um, you know, we, we, we just, we always have a good time uh, doing that. And, well, you know, sometimes we're not wearing clothes while we do it either. <laughs> Ooh, it was a good, good time. Anyway, check that out, sexandsciencehour.com if you want to get the hookup on that. Of course, you go to sovereigntech.com. That takes you to the Patreon page. I also post, and this is available publicly for everybody. Um, you know, there's stuff that's patron-only content. Then there's all the things that aren't on sovereigntech.com, uh, like this episode that you're listening to right now is, of course, freely available for everybody. And the important stuff will always be freely available uh, for everybody. You know, the Patreon stuff is just a perk. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I always post all the Sex and Science Hour episodes there. So you can jump on it, uh, you know, that route. But anyway, whew, oh, it was such a good time. And it's so good to be back, you know, doing that. Um, anyway, lots of cool stuff happening for Sex and Science Hour. You're going to want to listen to it to find out about all of that. Whew, let's move on, shall we? You know, actually, speaking of posting things on Patreon, this might be a nice segue into kind of our first story for uh, uh, for the foreplay, or what used to be called the random access, where we just do the little stories, the little tech and science and whatever else stories uh, that, you know, don't really deserve a full segment. And I'll actually, somebody somebody emailed me um, from, you know, of course, the website. I have a contact form at zog.email. That is my new main website. Uh, well, it's not that new now, but that's my new ma you know main website, zog.email, where you can sign up for the Sovereign Tech newsletter, by the way. Um, the director's cut of issue one of my newsletter, which people just went nuts over, uh, came out. Or I, I released the director's cut. There was the original one the week before. Then I released the director's cut last week. I'm not going to do director's cuts for every one. Um, but I also issue two comes out next week because it's a biweekly newsletter uh, and I already have a I have a dynamite newsletter lined up. People are going to love it. People are totally digging the, uh, the the sovereign universe fiction that's in it. I have an awesome story, uh, or at least in my opinion, I think it's an awesome story uh, in this week's uh, issue. So if you're not signed up for that, you just go to ZOG email and you can get you'll you can't miss it. It's right at the fucking top of the page where you can sign up for the Sovereign Tech newsletter. I do nothing with your email other than get out that newsletter to you. That's all I'm interested in. Um, but you can also, there's a contact tab at the top. There's also a donate tab if you want to donate. Um, but there's a contact tab or, uh, yeah, link at, up at the top of the page where you can anonymously email me or you can let me know, you know, if you want me to respond or whatever. I can't, I definitely cannot respond to every email. I'd never get anything done if I responded to every email. But that's another way to contact me as well. Uh, anyway, so uh, I'll, I'll just read this email here for the foreplay because uh, a person asked about it. It said, uh, SoundCloud exit strategy. Uh, morning, Savzu. I'll try to keep it short uh, with your crazy workload. I was just wondering if you have an exit strategy like a backup feed with your past episodes ready uh, with rumors starting to solidify into the likelihood of SoundCloud nearing shutdown due to financial woes. I know the CEO claims that no such thing is happening, but it would be counter to his fiduciary responsibility to not say that. Uh, would hate to see your show disappear because the feed got disrupted, though most of your fan base would know how to find you. You get my drift. Keep up the great work. So, yeah, uh, thank you for that. And, yeah, so there was a story. Uh, TechCrunch, I think, did the original reporting. Um, some other, even like Variety was getting in on it because SoundCloud, 
So, yeah, ever since I started the show, uh, we actually talked about this on the live Q&A hangout, but I, I didn't go into too much depth. But, I'll, you know, I'll explain a little bit more here for everybody else, uh, because you're the people that it would definitely affect more. I mean, the patrons, they have their patron only feed. That's kind of going to get into solution. But uh, anyway, um, you know, SoundCloud is this kind of wild success story where there have been a few artists that have become international superstars because they got their you know, they they got started um, on SoundCloud. Uh, SoundCloud has also become a very popular, very popular podcasting platform uh, because it is so easily shareable, embeddable. And and it, you know, for the for the price that they ask, um, it really, you know, it gives you great options. I mean, it's just it is, in my opinion, it is still regardless of what's going on here budget wise it is still the premier podcast platform in the world in my opinion now it's important to bring up i mean this isn't like some kind of you know soundcloud is not some silicon valley company they're a tech company but i think they're they're out of germany um so 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 a couple points on this i'll answer the concern about what happens if it does you know go belly up uh what happens to the sovereign tech feed i'll get to that in a second so, but the concern is, is that, and, and there have been, you know, yeah, the CEO has come out and said, oh no, none of this is true. But then TechCrunch said, actually, they said everything that we said. They just put it in fancier words uh, to make it sound like everything's going to be okay. Because SoundCloud engaged in some layoffs because the claim is, is that come fourth quarter 2017, which is in just a couple months from now, uh, that they don't, they don't have enough money to operate into the fourth quarter. Like effectively, they're going to shut down in about 50 days. You know, that that's that's the claim that TechCrunch made. Um, and apparently, you know, there's there's a lot of layoffs, layoffs of hires from just a few weeks ago, which that that's ugly. You know, I mean, certainly, you know, nobody's guaranteed a job in this world uh, unless you get a lifetime job in Japan. And even then, you know, that's something going the way of the dodo. But nobody's guaranteed a job in this world. And. I think it is kind of shitty to like hire people a few weeks ago and then suddenly you're doing this massive layoff because, you know, your budget is dying. And, I, you know, I mean, I could get into a whole lot of analysis on where SoundCloud has has really botched up um, on things. You know, they tried to do their streaming service, which I actually think was a, was kind of a failing idea. And they were really missing uh, one of the crucial, uh, you know, features, in my opinion, that unless you're Spotify, you have to have because it just, it's your only differentiator that you can really have from Spotify. Uh, the crucial feature in my opinion is being able to upload your own music, you know, from songs that maybe SoundCloud doesn't have. And then I think a lot of people would have taken SoundCloud really seriously because then it would have had that differentiator of the sound of all those SoundCloud tracks that are only on SoundCloud, all those remixes and all that other shit, which is really solid. A lot of it's very solid stuff. Um, so you would have had access to that. You would have had however many 20 million, 30 million songs that uh, that SoundCloud would have streamed, which every other service has as far as those go. Um, and then if you had the option to upload, I don't know, 50,000, 100,000 of your own songs that maybe don't exist, uh, on sound, you know, on SoundCloud or in that 20 million, 30 million, 40 million number catalog that that every other service like Google Play, Groove, Apple Music and Amazon Unlimited and whatever, you know, has access to. Uh, then I think you would have had a, a very interesting prospect. I mean, even to like like me. So I pay for um, with SoundCloud. I, I pay for the, you know, for a pro account. So that way I can host such and so much, you know, audio content um, on there. Now, 
you know, because of that, they offered me their streaming service for like a dollar ninety nine or two ninety nine as to where normally I think it's like ten bucks. Some somewhere in that range. Okay. And you know, it's just not enticing to me. If I because I have so much uh rare music and custom music and music that has, you know, copyright questionability, not copyright on whether I own it, copyright on who the fuck in the record industry owns it. You know, like like nobody knows or, you know, and so you can't do re-releases or maybe it only exists on audio cassette. Right. Like an album from T.T. Uh, Quick or something, you know. So, yeah. So it wasn't attractive to me at all. I'm not going to pay for that. Uh, Pandora has also run into this problem where, where they're running into some financial instability or they've been running into financial instability for a while. And they tried to you know get into this whole streaming game and everything. And look, I mean, there's just there's a couple features you got to have if you want to, you know, if you want to differentiate, differentiate yourself from Spotify. Uh, and if it's not allowing people to put up their custom stuff in their own little libraries, I mean, frankly, I, I think there's no reason to not use Spotify. It's so cross platform. It's fucking everywhere. Uh, not that I'm the biggest fan of streaming music by no means. I'm just, you know, talking the realities here. So anyway, SoundCloud has not done well for itself to make money. Uh, and, and apparently this is all very, you know, it, it appears to be true that, yeah, they're, they're running into money problems. The CEO is claiming that the layoffs that they did will get them into their fourth quarter, but even then, okay, so you made it past the fourth quarter. What the fuck are you going to do now? Uh, now to answer the question, what do I do if it actually goes belly up? Well, first, if it did, you know, like there's OK, what I think is really going to happen. Let me say this. What I think is really going to happen is that probably like Microsoft is going to buy them out. I don't think Amazon will. And the reason I say that is because uh, it, it would interfere with Audible, like Audible and, and SoundCloud are very real competitors in a way. Also, SoundCloud is a competitor with Amazon's own you know, music prime service. So I just don't think it's a fit unless they were buying them out to kill it. Uh, it's really not. It, it's just not a fit. So I would, you know, Microsoft, though, on the other hand, I think would love to have SoundCloud and would love to uh, shift, you know, grew. I mean, understand their own streaming music service has already gone through quite a few changes over the years. You know, it used to be Xbox music. Then, you know, then it turned into Groove. I mean, like it's had a bunch of different names and its feature set has changed drastically. I could really see them buying SoundCloud, especially for also its social features and kind of kind of baking it in with LinkedIn. I mean, I know you'd think that wouldn't make sense, but there's a lot of heavy duty, you know, like like really big time podcasts that host themselves on SoundCloud. Uh, and I, I think it would be the best play, in my opinion, for Microsoft to because this is an area where every company really needs to start doing this. I know Apple's trying to make moves finally in this direction. Uh, Amazon is certainly trying to with its audible platform uh, where podcasting becomes the entertainment medium and, or, you know, the, the consumption medium that it really already has been just, there isn't enough money in it. Like every other, you know, kind of consumption medium uh, like every other form of, of, of media, multimedia, whatever. So if I were Microsoft, yeah, I think this, this would just be a, like a, an easy buy, you know, <laughs> and, and I could almost believe, and I, and I said this, um, I've said this before. We've talked about this because SoundCloud's had a rocky history for the past, you know, couple of years, at least, uh, at the time I thought Twitter was going to end up buying them, but now Twitter's in so much trouble. I mean, Twitter's, you know, may eventually get bought out. So that's, that's likely not to happen. 
but yeah, my my guess is Microsoft buying them out. You know, in my opinion, and so they're really. I don't think there's going to be an interruption in service. I mean, it's just it, it's too hot a property. It's too much. Uh, too much. You know, uh, brand uh, brand cachet or <laughs> you know cachet. I don't know whatever. How the fuck you want to say that? Uh, you know, it just has too much of a name to to not continue going. I think in some investors' eyes or some company, other you know tech giant companies' eyes out there. Uh, but a part of me also, real quick, really, and I talked about this in the in Sovereign Tech Uncensored Facebook group. A part of me really wants it to actually go under. Like, even though it's not a Silicon Valley company, I want to see, and I know there's been a couple companies, Pets.com, some others, you know, where this has sort of happened, but I want the precedent to get set in the tech world, Silicon Valley, wherever, that, no, you know what, if you don't try, if, if you, you know, if you're only going to rely on, on VCs and all this other shit, uh, once you get out of the startup stage, you know, like, I, w- I want to see companies fail. Like, I really, really do. Like, I I'd actually, that would be almost more exciting for me if SoundCloud tanked and, and really, like, the service just ended entirely. Because I wanted to send the message, set the precedent for the rest of the tech world. Now, guess what? You have to be concerned about cash flow. This whole thing about everything, you know, don't doesn't matter how much money it is, as long as there's user growth, as long as you have, you know, growth numbers and users, that's all that matters. That has to fucking stop. You're going to have to... Tech companies, you're going to have to do business the old fucking fashion way. And the old fucking fashion way is give the customers what they want. Give a shit about the customers. Not about gaining more, but about keeping them. But about enticing them. But about listening to them. So I kind of want SoundCloud to fail. Because I want I want people to see that a company outside of the startup stage in the tech world can fucking falter. Even a company with a lot of brand name behind it. Which SoundCloud is, everybody knows about SoundCloud. I think that would be exciting. I, I want I want that message out there because it's bullshit. You have so many people right now in the tech world in Silicon Valley that they think that I mean they're you know they're 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 serial uh what, what not serial entrepreneurs I don't think that's the term I want to use. But like, you know, they'll just they, they keep starting up companies, starting up companies and they don't and they, they just don't care about the longevity of it because, the, you know, either a they expect it to get uh, acquired by a tech giant, which is the only way with the present business model being done in Silicon Valley that any company can survive is that you're going to have to get bought up by by one of the tech giants. OK, you know, Microsoft, Apple, Google, uh, you know, whatever. Which Google buying SoundCloud? Yeah, maybe. I don't think so though. Uh, Google Play Music and YouTube. I mean, they have they fucking have YouTube. <laughs> like I just I, I I don't I don't see it. Um, anyway, like that that's really the only way that they can you know they can survive. But I mean, you got these guys like they'll just they'll just start up company after company after company after company, and they just don't give a shit about the long term, and it drives me up the fucking wall. So I want to see companies fail. I want to see shit tank. Because I want these asshats to learn the lesson that, no, you you know, this isn't just like your baby where, oh, yeah, I'm just going to toy with this and, and and fucking build a company and then completely walk away from it. And I don't care if it crashes and burns and, you know, who gives a shit? It's going to get acquired anyway. Like, I want to see some people doing some good old fashioned business again. Because that seems to have gone the way of the dodo for many companies. Google doesn't give a shit about its users. Facebook doesn't give a shit about its users. I mean, even the giants don't give a shit, except for maybe like, I don't 
I, yeah, I, I think Amazon is kind of consumer facing, um, I think, or very consumer facing, actually. We're going to talk about Amazon a little bit more later. Uh, Microsoft is is back on track with that. Apple doesn't give a shit about what you want. They they don't care. <laughs> they just don't. Um, you know, they, they do their own thing and they think they've got the magic spell where you'll you'll do whatever you want when, you know, that's obviously faltering because now you have more people running to Android and to Windows 10 of all things, um, you know, because that's where they see the ability to really have control as a as a user. So anyway. Um, yeah. So now as far as like what I would do is SoundCloud actually does tank. I'm spending a lot more time talking about this than I thought I would. But uh yeah, I mean, one one option is is that Patreon actually lets you upload podcasts completely for free. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I host all of I mean, and then what happens if Patreon tanks? I mean, that's a possibility, but their you know, their numbers are looking phenomenal, uh, especially in the last year. Uh, they, I mean, it, Patreon is a serious success story and too many people are getting involved with it. I, I just I don't I don't see that happening. But I mean, you know, you never know. Um so that's one option would be that I would just post the public shows and the Patreon only shows both on Patreon, uh, which is totally possible. And, you know, I, I would create I'd have to make a new feed. Certainly, I, 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 you know, nothing I can do about that. The feed part, if SoundCloud really tanked, yep, there would there would end up being a new feed. Uh, I lost a couple years ago. SoundCloud completely changed its podcast feed system. And I actually lost a ton of listeners. And there's people who like a year later said, wait, you still do the show? And I was like, yeah, just SoundCloud changed the feed. There's nothing I could do. And that sucks. Now, there's ways to independently make a feed where you could change sort of what the feed is that goes into this this independent feed out there. But largely that uses FeedBurner and FeedBurner is a Google service that is a, more or less dead. Uh, so that, that there's a problem there. If if this is really to happen, probably what I would do is I run, um, you know, I have a, a Synology disk station. I have, a you know, my own NAS. Um, that Stephanie and I share and their software for Synology disk station, uh, you know, network area storage. We talked about network area storage a few months ago uh, and the importance of doing that when cloud services and service in general, kind of like SoundCloud when, the, you know, when they end up dying off or they get into some kind of trouble or they change some bullshit on you. Uh, there's software for disk stations that will allow you to host a podcast and create a feed and everything right onto the disk station. I would probably do that. You know, I mean, there's there's to some degree, there's a scary prospect around that because I would have to make sure that my disk station has 100 percent uptime. Uh, so maybe I would change a little bit. But that is that's that's what I would do is I, I would end up I'd just be like, fuck it. I'll host it on my own server. And and that that that'd be the end of it. So that that's my plan. Uh, but that's part of the reason, you know, this email, I mean, is really raises a great point. I mean, this is part of the reason that I'm doing the Sovereign Tech newsletter uh, and, and other things, because that way I can reach people. I mean, you email is just always going to work because it's a federated technology. There's no central server for email. Um, so being able to reach everybody via email, even having an email list where I can contact everybody, I can say, hey, here's the new feed. Tell your friends. You know, that's why it's so important, I think, to have kind of that email connection more so than even, you know, I mean, I have 10,000 followers on Twitter. I can let people know on Twitter. That's fine. Uh, you know, I have, I have followers on, on other social media and all that. Uh, certainly it'd be easy to let the patrons know because they get emails directly from me uh, or from Patreon from me. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, th those are those are the options that exist. So 
yeah, I have a backup plan. And and, and if it did get that bad, I mean, I'm just I'm not going to rely on any any other service ever again. I'm you know, I would just take it into my own hands and run my own fucking server. And and that'd be it. You know, that's right. That's where I would host the podcast from. So anyway, we'll see. I mean, that would affect Sex and Science Hour as well. Sex and Science Hour has it, um, you know, has it, uh, you know, is on SoundCloud, is hosted on SoundCloud as well. Um, there's there's some other options, too. There's some things I'm actually creating. Well, I'll, I'll let this cat out of the bag. That's fine. I'm actually creating a, a radio station right now. Uh, not like a traditional radio station. I mean, like an online and Internet streaming station, effectively, uh, that'll have a bunch of different content that obviously will be a solution as well. Uh, because that, you know, that Sovereign Tech is going to be the flagship show on that thing. Uh, so and there's going to be a lot of other great content there as well, uh, including music and all of that, all of which will be, you know, totally above board. Not that I care about being above board. But anyway, that's that's something coming in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but yeah, so so I, I, I have solutions for this uh, and, and hopefully people will, you know, especially if they're getting to hear this episode, it's something that they'll remember to look out for just in case this does happen in the next couple months. We'll see. But really, my opinion is they're just going to get bought out by a tech giant, be it Microsoft or hell, maybe I, I don't think it'd be Facebook because they're working so hard on their native platform. Microsoft's kind of the one tech giant that doesn't really doesn't exactly have what SoundCloud is offering. Uh, including sort of, I mean, yeah, they own LinkedIn, but including sort of the social media aspects of it that are kind of unique. Um, I think they could make a very interesting synergistic property uh, with what they do have with SoundCloud kind of being the being the back end for it. So and then, you know, then SoundCloud, if they're owned by Microsoft, they don't have to worry about money because Microsoft makes money in other ways. And I mean, it, it could be it could be a very good thing if that if that sort of thing happens. Not that I'm rooting for Microsoft. So anyway, let's move on. Uh, let's move on to some other stories here. I mean, while we're talking about company shenanigans, um, this is so this is a subject that I see on quite a bit. Uh, my ultimate stance really hasn't changed. But what we're talking about is password managers uh, just in the past week. And really, this has apparently been going on for months. And I, I wasn't aware of this uh, one password, which is a very popular and oft recommended by security researchers and others. Uh, one password, just the number one in password has effectively completely changed their business model uh, to what I think is a, a, a big mistake. And really, I, I feel like they're they're cheating a lot of people. Um, and I, well, we'll talk about it here. So one password was kind of nice because it was it was kind of like NPass, almost like KeePass, where there was and they've been in business for for quite a few years now um, where they you know, it's a password manager. So just like LastPass, where you can, you know, put in your the website and password or the software and password for it, whatever, and you could store it there. And it was stored uh, locally, you know, which some would find to be advantageous not having it stored in the cloud. Well, something that 1Password has started doing is now they are not really storing it locally anymore. Now they, they've shifted to completely cloud service, just like LastPass. LastPass is the same deal. Okay. Not necessarily anything wrong with that, other than the fact that you know, LastPass is that's how they've always been. So there's no change really in, in not just in business model, but like in in uh, in philosophy and style. Uh, so for one password to change on that, that's a huge problem. OK, uh, the second problem 
And one might say that it kind of answers the first. But the second problem is, is that if you bought a license, what, what one password had originally was a one time license for all of your devices. And it was like 65 bucks. I mean, it depends on when you got it. There's there's points where maybe it was only like 35 bucks or, you know, uh, at the highest, I guess, about sixty five dollars. And that was supposed to be just one simple lifetime fee. Well, now with their recent change in, in uh, model and philosophy, now they are making it so that in any of the 1Password apps that you use on any device, particularly on mobile devices, this is already taking effect, um, that license, that lifetime license that you bought, and I don't know exactly if they ever called it lifetime license, but anyway, that one-time license that you bought is you know now won't work anymore. There's no field to enter the license in. Um, you're done. You know, you you are going to have to pay either like a, it's like a two ninety nine, depending upon which one you're going with two ninety nine or four ninety nine uh, monthly subscription f- fee ad infinitum. I mean, you know, in, into eternity that you will be paying that now tons of businesses function under this business model. Again, the main problem here is that one password did a complete pivot. You know, this is a one eighty pivot. They, they have turned into, you know, a totally different company uh, because of this. And so, you know, I think that I think that's pretty shitty. Now, you can say, well, now it's a completely different service, so you need to pay uh, a different fee. I know some people are kind of justifying it that way, and I'm sure that's probably what's in one password's head. Uh, but I think this is some ugly ass shit, you know, because we're talking, you know, we're not talking about. So another example of this happening. Um there was probably my favorite and maybe the the best or my opinion it's the best and most popular uh Android app for torrenting is called T-Torrent Plus, okay? A couple of year a year ago, maybe 2 years ago, they switched to or T-Torrent Pro maybe it was called. Anyway, they they completely redesigned the app. They did a huge redesign and if you had the previous version of the app and you paid for the premium version of it, it was like maybe five bucks, four bucks, five bucks, something like that. You had to pay another fee again. And their way of thinking is, is that, well, we completely redesigned it. It's a new and not that they did anything bad with it. It's not like they changed their model or anything like one password did. Um, but you need to pay up again. And I think it's even cheaper. It's like maybe a buck ninety nine or two ninety nine or something, whatever. Um, now, my thoughts on that. OK. I, I get it. Now, obviously, what's really going on is, is that, you know, you only have so many people that torrent and just like you only have so many people that use password managers, uh, even though if you're not going to go with my ultimate solution, which is having your own little black book that you can set on fire, which I've talked about countless times on Sovereign Tech, uh, you know, a password manager is a fine and dandy thing. OK, but you're only going to have so many torrent users, right? Because of that. Yeah, eventually, like, you know, the money's going to stop flowing in. So this is a way to kind of get more money flowing in. Uh, I understand that. I'm not saying I agree with that, but I get it. Uh, the other, But my point with the torrent, you know, with T-Torrent is that, okay, it's only like three bucks or five, four or five bucks, whatever. Not the biggest deal in the world to, you know, to want to pay up for a new feature set or something like that. We're talking about people. This is a matter of degrees, I grant you. But we're talking about people, you know, being out of like, you know, 60, 60, 70 bucks. You know, I mean, that that's that's for software. That's a pre that's a that's beyond a premium price, in my opinion. I think for software, a premium price is 20 bucks. You know, and you, you end up quadrupling that or close to quadrupling it. Yeah. Or tripling it. you got a problem. You know, I, I, I think that this is a really ugly move. Um, I would recommend getting away from one password in general just because there was no consult in switching to this model. 
I don't think anybody was asking for it. People that used 1Password were using it for very specific reasons, which included the fact that it was not necessarily a cloud model um, and because there was a one-time fee. So, you know, they they don't care about the consumer. They're just they're going to shift to do whatever the fuck they want to do. Uh, So I I think that this is really ugly on their part. I do not recommend I've recommended one password in the past. Uh, I do not recommend it anymore. And even if you like the cloud storage model of your passwords and everything, use LastPass. Uh, there's a lot of reasons I recommend using LastPass, but if that's really your, your, you know, your game, then just go with that. I just do not trust. I mean, LastPass, yeah, they got bought out, but they never changed their business model. This is such. This is a again. This is a total 180 for a company. I would not stick with a company that that doesn't stick to its, you know, what made it and and its principles. I get it. It's just like T-Torrent. They need to make money, and you know, there's only so many people that that would buy this. And you buy the one-time fee, you're never going to make money off of it again, and they're probably running into trouble. That's why people want to go with these endless subscription models, not because it makes it better for the user. You can say, well, it funds continual development. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, no, it, <laughs> you know, it, it's really not like th- there's there's a reason that they're doing this. I get it, but I just I think that this is really ugly of them to do. So uh, pass is a great alternative if you are. I mean, talk about a feature rich password manager. If you want something that's closer to what uh, to what one password was in the past. Uh, so pass is an option. Of course, key is, uh, you know, I recommend that without reservation. Um, that's a beautiful open source solution. It's really great. Uh, and, and then of course there's the little black book if you want to go that far. Um, but I get it. There's a lot of advantages to password managers. And certainly if people aren't doing the little black book, I'd much rather them use a password manager than not. Uh, so yeah, there, there's, there's my thoughts on that really ugly on, on one passwords part, uh, in my, in my opinion. So, uh, let's see if we got time for another quick story. Yeah, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this story, but I just want to let you know it's out there. I had a lot of people email me about this one or, you know, put it in whatever social media field that got in touch with me. Um, but the claim was, was that at, oh boy, there there was some, some couple, I assume it was a couple, again, there's very scant information on all this. The initial claim was is that there was a Google Home, let's just say it outright. The initial claim is that there was a Google Home, okay, Google Home device, that called the cops on a couple that were having a, a domestic dispute. Uh, because effectively, the person said, um, like said to, like a, a guy was holding a gun, this, these are all the claims, and he said to his girlfriend or whoever she is, did you just call the sheriff? And supposedly the Google home called the sheriff, called the cops and the cops showed up and potentially uh, this woman's life was saved. Okay. Now there is a, there, you know, like a day later after the story was reported, they said, no, we don't know that it was a Google home. We don't know what kind of, uh, you know, IOT device it was, what kind of, you know, virtual assistant, whatever um, that actually made the phone call or that actually made the call, blah, blah, blah. All I have to say is this, okay, this, you know, I, I, if somebody's life was saved, you know, I'm glad somebody's still alive. No doubt about that. Okay. Don't, please don't confuse what I'm saying, but the trend, what this sets up, I mean, this was completely unwillful in, in what was to happen, obviously. Okay. Um, th- this should scare you. This is this is that IOT gone terribly wrong. Yep. A life was saved, supposedly or potentially. I mean, we don't really know what would happen. Right. 
You know, if if the if the IOT device, if the IOT assistant didn't call the cops, you know, we don't know that somebody would be dead, but potentially sure. Fine. okay. but this is concerning as fuck that these devices will get tripped up. And I mean, what what if it was what if it was like a movie or something? You know, and I know I know, like particularly with Google Home, they're trying to make it to where the uh, because there's that Burger King commercial. Right. Does everybody remember that? There's the Burger King commercial that would set off your Google Home or I think even your Amazon Echo, and it would start telling you, you know, the command it would give in the commercial, which is only like 15 seconds long, would have your, like your Google Home start telling you about the Burger King Whopper. Um, and so I get it that they're trying algorithmically to keep like TVs and all this other stuff from from setting this sort of thing off. But I mean, I could just picture a billion scenarios where like the cops could get called to come to your house. Uh, who knows what the fuck, you know, could could really happen and what the response um, would be. And, and, you know, I, I know that this this is this is kind of the, the, the trope that always gets brought up or maybe not a trope. This is always the argument that gets brought up with a lot of these technologies is that eventually it will be you know, like, like what you do, everything like that you order, say like, say you're ordering, cause you can do that, right? You can order a Domino's pizza through, through, uh, the Amazon echo. I think, I think that's a feature like particularly Domino's. If you do that regularly, like the concern would be, and this is, there's an old video that shows all this, that, you know, eventually th- your insurance company would have access to say the echo data and it would know that you've ordered so many pizzas. And so your health insurance premium would go through the roof or it would get to the point to where the health insurance company would say, you know, unless you want your premiums to go up, you can't order this pizza or something like this. Uh, here's here's the thing, like whether or not that that would ever happen. And, and I know people have been saying it for decades that that's exactly what would happen with this. I still think that that's one day is going to be uh, a reality. And I'm even more concerned when, you know, I hear a lot of uh, uh, fellow anarchists say that, well, insurance companies will solve everything in a stateless society uh, because, you know, insurance companies are going to fucking love Alexa and, and, and all this. And, and you think they're not going to hold it against you? Um, anyway, yeah, you know, supposedly you'd have the option to, to choose other ones, blah, 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 blah. You know, competition would win. Anyway, um, well, regardless, why don't you just think about what would actually work without the competition instead of, you know, just hoping that the market will sort it out? How about that? You know, give some real thought to it, maybe. Um but anyway, you know, I think eventually that will happen. But what will definitely happen is that if there are police reports on your record, incidental or not, insurance companies do get access to that sort of information. They do look into that sort of information. And so just by accident, yes, this could potentially affect your insurance. It could affect your ability to get jobs because you're going to have police calls and reports, you know, uh, uh you know, on your record and, and all of this. I mean, it, like this is this is a really, really bad flub. And you could say, well, but a person could just pick up the phone and do prank calls to, to the police or something, uh, you know, and that wouldn't be a problem. Oh, no, not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> Sorry. You know, you're you think they don't know what phone numbers like. I mean, your phone number is so so attached to you now because it's not just the household phone. Now everybody has a phone. Your phone number is effectively you. Uh, so. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, even that like prank calling just doesn't happen so much anymore because there's so many technologies that help with, uh, you know, identification. I know there's people that still do it. I'm not saying people still don't do it. I'm just saying it's not so much a cultural uh, norm or, or meme anymore. Um, 
but anyway, I mean, yeah, you know, it's funny. You watch stuff like Crank Yankers and some of this other. I mean, like it, it just seems so outdated so quickly because uh, it's not like that's an old show. But like now that, you know, <laughs> everybody has a cell phone or whatever. I mean, there's just nobody communicates really that way anyway. So, uh, yeah, this is a real problem. This should be concerning for a million reasons, regardless of if anything good happened out of it. Um, the, you know, the bad that can occur, uh, the potential is really should be concerning so i i think this is crazy again we don't know what device it was that did it um and in fact i wouldn't be surprised if companies are paying off whatever local municipality uh office that needs to be paid off to not announce which one did it because that would be a pr nightmare quite frankly um this is the same problem where you know uh, now what wasn't there there cars that would that end up calling the cops this should be concerning. So anyway, let's uh, let's that, that that's enough for for foreplay. I have a bunch of other stories, but we've been going long enough, and uh, I'll be right back with more. Woo boy! If you wanted to tell you what you know, I know some of these things can listen to podcasts, or you know, like you, you it allows you to say, oh, play this podcast. You know, like uh, Cortana, play Sovereign Tech. How about this one, Cortana or whoever, play Resist the Empire podcast. Ooh, this is the good stuff. I'll tell you, I am a huge Star Wars fan. I know a lot of you are huge Star Wars fans. Get listening to this podcast. This is one of the best Star Wars podcasts in the world today. And I don't say that lightly because I listen to a lot of them and a lot of them piss me off. This one does not. <laughs> so resist the empire podcast.com. That's the website to hit up. Uh, you are going to love this. I mean, they're Wow. <laughs> you know, the latest news you get, uh, you get great conversation and you get that liberty perspective with all of it. OK, you get that 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 really nice. That, that, I mean, it's a view you don't get much from from other Star Wars podcasts. In fact, really, you don't get it at all. So to have that libertarian view, that's fantastic. Uh, again, just a great style. Uh, they do a lot of fun stuff every every episode. They do the galaxy's smallest political quiz where they kind of break down what character is what kind of ideology. It's great. You want to check it out, resisttheempirepodcast.com, and I thank them so much for being a sponsor of Sovereign Tech. Let's get back to the show. We should be arriving at the dark side of the moon in a few hours, Agent Sovereign. Excellent, Pixel. Keep the hyper-rocket in stealth mode. The way to always win is to never let them see you coming. Those space Nazis won't it's so exciting, Agent Sovereign. We are really building the future. The next step in human evolution is us. Don't get too excited, Dr. Goldblossom. We still have this mission to the moon, and we might run into trouble no one knows is there. Perhaps there's something else I can get excited about, Agent Sovereign? Well, we do have a few hours. Mm-hmm. Pixel, why don't you materialize and join the good doctor and I for a few hours of, uh, fun?
story of the week. Ooh, you know, I told you earlier we would talk about Amazon a bit, and we're, it's kind of indirect, but kind of direct at the same time. Okay, that doesn't make sense. But <laughs> but did you just enjoy that hotness? Huh? <laughs> How about that? Ooh, I told you I'd be delivering this week, and there's the delivery, baby. And <laughs> so you got the whole episode to get through for to finish up that story. Anyway, ooh, ah, maybe I'll talk about that later. Maybe I'll talk about it next week. All right, so let's get into this week's story. Um, and this is from uh, uh, Forbes. QVC and HSN merger creates the perfect storm for retail. Ooh, what could this mean? Let's read a little bit here. We all remember the 2000 hit movie, The Perfect Storm, starring George Clooney, Mark Wahlberg, and Diane Lane about the ill-fated uh, uh, Andrea Gale fishing boat battling the confluence of three massive storms in the Atlantic Ocean. I can think of no better analogy to what the retail industry is facing now that QVC is merging with HSN under Liberty Interactive Corporation. Boy, Somehow I don't think that has anything to do with Liberty, but okay. <laughs> the combined reading on the combined QVC slash HSN companies suddenly emerge as a major re- retail competitive threat ready to do battle with Amazon and Walmart slash jet in the next retail frontier, virtual retail, the battle. And that's what they're calling it. Virtual retail. The battleground is in the mind of the shopper for his or her attention and is no longer bound by a physical location competing in that virtual retail world. QVC and HSN have a critical competitive advantage. They don't just offer easy, direct access to products. They've mastered entertaining customers at the same time. That should get the attention of not just Amazon and Walmart, but retailers everywhere. Today, success in retail is less about what you sell and more about how you sell it. And television shopping combines the what, often you, you know, unique proprietary products, with the how, entertainment in a powerful imaginative attention getting way that no other large-scale retail model is matched quote this and we're going to break all this down Stanley breaking and we're going to break all this down because believe me this has relevance this has huge relevance okay for the really the future of tech quote this merger is a total win-win for qvc and hsn and a deal that was 25 years in the making uh, end quote says mark bozek currently founder and ceo of new york city-based uh, galgos entertainment but who started in television shopping back in 1992 as evp at qvc under barry diller then moved with him to hsn as ceo then founded evine which evine.com is, is that's a that's a whole other one and eventually becoming the ceo at evine live the third major player in television shopping um it has stepped them a uh, quote it has stepped them up as a, a level as players in digital commerce in more appropriately the commerce space with a capital c in a big way end quote bozek wrote eloquently and pointedly about the challenges of competing with amazon and now by extension with walmart slash jet.com in the robin report quote amazon ain't just a river in egypt end quote to his mind <laughs> that's funny qvc slash hsn have the right stuff to do just that quote the opportunities are vast and truly disruptive not the throwaway disruptive term that everybody talks about but truly disruptive end quote of course the prospects for qvc slash hsn to reshape the retail landscape in a truly disruptive way uh, remains only potential but it has the critical pieces of the puzzle in place success in virtual retail requires a powerful triple play fun and entertainment being great merchants and personal connection plus qvc slash hsn have two unique power plays to capture the imagination um, and attention of the shopper uh, discovery and impulse 
So now there's there's a little bit you know more here that that breaks down. The link is in the show notes for that. This is a very long article, but it's breaking down the importance of how you sell things. You know, like how you market things is the crucial aspect of whether or not somebody's going to buy. Um, now Amazon, you know, they're kind of solution to this sort of thing, and this is something. That, this is why I want to break this down because this has a lot to say uh, about Amazon. Actually. First off, this what this article is saying years after I said it is that Amazon's real competition is Walmart. And now QVC buying out HSN, their main competitor, is really throwing their hat into the ring on how, you know, on becoming a competitor of this big three. So now we kind of have a three way race as far as, you know, who's selling what. And I think that QVC, you know, and HSN kind of joining forces actually explains a bit of a mystery for me, but I'm just saying that, look, I already called this, that the real competition, uh, you know, in business right now, the two big companies are Walmart versus Amazon. Now we talked about Walmart when they acquired jet.com, they acquired jet.com. They bought it because I think they wanted access to the CEO of jet.com because they feel that that's the only guy that really has the brains to, and the creativity and the ability to take on Amazon because they know that that's, that's their real competition. Okay. Um, I bought stuff from jet.com as well, you know, and it, I mean, it's whatever it competes with Amazon. They go with a little bit of flash, like their boxes are kind of flashy. And so I think they hope that that makes it stand out or something. But anyway, I'm sure they have other ideas uh, in mind. So what's what's happening here with this? OK, I think that Amazon knows so, well, OK, Amazon, you know, their plan to kind of circumvent this whole concern of how to sell things is to become the main distributor. That's the monopsony part that I've been talking about for years that before anybody else talked about it. Um, I mean, years before anybody else is talking about it. That's the monopsony aspect that Amazon was going for. It's like, all right, we'll solve distribution. You know, we'll be the distributor. OK, but I think they know that to some degree they have to have like a physical presence of some kind still just to be able to sell things to people. Yep, they're going to be they're going to have the distribution. They're going to have the portal to buy. OK, but they but to get people to buy, there has to be this like QVC and HSN does. OK, where it's on TV and you have, you know, various personalities and whoever else, you know, showing you how something works, telling you everything about it, making it very entertaining. And you really get cults of personality on, on QVC and HSN. Um, you know, I mean, like the people from Shark Tank, right, like Lori Grenier or even, you know, uh, uh, what's his name, Kevin, Kevin O'Leary and some of these other people who, you know, who come on and then like the, people kind of follow what they say by they will buy. So what I think is interesting, what, what I think this kind of highlights is, yeah, this sort of explains Amazon's push into retail is that they know they have to start showing stuff off to people. You need to see it. You need to hold it. And they're going to get to that. OK. But the other thing that I think it explains, and this is where, where it gets a, a little more interesting, in my opinion, is that I think this explains why the Amazon, uh, why the Echo look is a thing, why the Echo show is a thing um, because the echo show is just this screen slapped onto Alexa. Right. And no, I don't feel bad about setting off Alexa. If you own one, I just, I just fucking don't, um, <laughs> you know, if you're crazy enough to own that shit, I, whatever, that's your problem. Not mine. Um, I know other tech shows are like, Oh yeah, no, we don't say Alexa. Okay. Well, whatever. <laughs> so, but me, I don't care. So that's, this gets behind like why all the other, what's with the whole echo family. 
Like, why put a camera on the Echo when you're trying to get away from when, when, you know, my prediction was and what a lot of tech companies are looking to get to is to zero UI, right? Where there's no there's no real, you know, graphic user interface. There's no screen. You're just talking to everything. Okay, and I think this is the reason. Because notice that the Echo look, one of its primary, I mean, everything I said about the Echo look, you know, in in past episodes when it was first announced, I I still think it's true. But I think... Amazon, Amazon saw, had to have seen, you know, corporate espionage, whatever, had to have seen what QVC was doing and that they were going to be buying out HSN. Okay. Had to know that that was happening. And I think that they understood kind of the, the, the reasoning that gets described in this Forbes article that you have to entertain, you have to show off, you, you kind of have to, you have to create like these buying personalities and all this different shit. Okay. So it's interesting that, oh, what is the, what does the echo look do? It's a camera that what was the main thing that they sold about it? That it gives you fashion advice, right? So the look is an attempt at trying to answer this, you know, these selling capabilities, these entertaining selling capabilities, and kind of this, this, uh, uh, you know, eth- <laughs> ethereal, like kind of like a Lori Grenier on, on QVC, where she explains to you why something looks so good. Well, the Amazon Echo look does the same thing, the Echo look particularly. Okay, so I think that's Amazon responding to this potential threat, you know, this third, this third hat getting getting thrown into the ring, that being QVC slash HSN. Uh, and and also, I mean, then the show, you know, the, the Echo show will probably at some point will probably like because it has that big screen on it, will give you some kind of data compiled from talking to Alexa having Alexa look at you with the echo look and whatever else and, and give you this presentation in a, you know, a video presentation, maybe even like taking a, a, a 3d model of you. Uh, I mean, which the echo look app can kind of do already where like it can kind of put the clothes on you and sort of show off what, what you would end up looking like or how something looks on you, whatever. Uh, but the look would be a bigger, uh, you know, another aspect of that or the adjoining Alexa apps on your smartphone could, you know, could be an aspect of that. But I think all of that is really in response. Now, finally, to me, it finally makes sense. They knew that QVC slash HSN was coming. And I mean, and look, if you look at the, if you think, I know, yeah, TV's dead, cable's dead, whatever. Look at the fucking numbers for QVC slash H, you know, for QVC and HSN. I mean, they do stupid amounts of money on there. And the only possible reason could be, is because, you know, because of these personalities, because of the entertaining way that they sell you things. And I think Amazon is trying to automate that entire process with devices without having to actually hire personalities and other people, you know, and without having to create their own TV network or whatever uh, to be able to do it. Now, to some degree, I think, you know, QVC and HSN, like that's kind of a generational thing, right? Like certainly a lot of people that are probably spending time in there are probably in their sixties. A lot of people in their twenties and whatever else, you know, they're buying, they're still going through Amazon, you know I mean? So there's kind of a generational thing and you could say this is some kind of like last ditch effort, uh, you know, by QVC to try and stay relevant or something like that. But I think this could morph into a total web presence. Uh, and, and I think that Amazon, I think Amazon's plays in the echo family show that this is a real concern. You know, I mean, all you have to do is, you know, it's not like the, the concept of watching videos of watching something like QVC is dead. It's not, I mean, otherwise YouTube wouldn't be, you know, eating the entire internet, right? Video still matters. So, 
yeah, I, I, I think this is this is a very, very interesting move um, on their part. And I think the other companies are trying to 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 jump on it. Uh, I don't know exactly what Walmart's doing about it. I think Walmart is a little more concerned of how do we get people going to our website and how do we handle distribution? Because Amazon you know, is killing on both both of those fronts. Uh, but Amazon. So they know they they kind of at least right now, they sort of have Walmart licked, even though Walmart's trying to take them on. Uh, but. I think they they feel genuinely afraid of QVC and and HSN. So this is this merger has massive ramifications for the the future of of the tech world in my opinion. I know that might sound kind of like cheesy or cliche to say, but I'm dead serious because Amazon is the future right now. I've talked about this many times. I've talked about it for years. They are the tech giant. They are the company. And what it honestly I I think it would be ironic if QVC, <laughs> you know, this tired old, not not that it's that old, it just started in the 90s, but this tired old, you know, television station in most people's minds ends up beating the biggest tech company in the world. Ooh, that would be huge. <laughs> so so anyway, I thought that this was a fascinating, I actually have to thank it, just an amazing woman for uh, for sending the story to me. Uh, and I, I thought it was a, a fascinating concept to bring up. And yeah, I mean, it just goes to show, you know, and and. This is going to be, you know, let me say this quick. It's going to really be also a commentary, I think, on just how much algorithms and AI and machine learning can replace the human element. Because QVC completely relies upon the human element, the human ability to entertain, to uh, 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 seduce, not coerce, but seduce. Nothing wrong with seduction. But to seduce you into, like, you know, wanting this or stuff like that. I mean, this is... This is a huge bet. I think this has much larger ramifications than anybody realizes in many ways. QVC versus Amazon, because I mean, yes, the Amazon uh, look like they're the fashion people behind it have humans behind it, which I think that's already damning against the concept of machine learning and AI and algorithms in general. But this is really the battle between humanity and AI in a microcosm, not so microcosm. QVC versus Amazon. I never saw it. This is one I definitely didn't see coming. But as soon as I heard about it, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I I get what's happening here. So I'm going to be keeping a close eye on, on the numbers and how all this goes. And I'll probably report back by the end of the year to see, you know, what kind of jumps there are as far as this goes. Uh, but, yeah, just a, a fascinating, fascinating thing that, again, I don't think anybody saw coming. I, and I listened to a lot of tech news. I don't I haven't heard anybody like even mention QVC other than they think it's a dinosaur and it's going to die. No, maybe, maybe not. Maybe this is this is that move. This is that pivot that says. Yeah, here we come. <laughs> Amazon, you know, screaming like like Moadib and Dune. Amazon, we come for you. <laughs> of course, Moadib was an emperor. Anyway, whew, I'll be right back with some more sovereignty. This is huge. You know, I'll tell you something else that's something that that people may think is a dinosaur and isn't relevant anymore. I'll tell you, it's horseshit. Gold and silver. This is relevant. Consider it. Cold storage, offline cold storage for your wealth. Because if you're a longtime Sovereign Tech listener, a lot of your wealth, a lot of your value is probably stored in cryptocurrencies, right? Well, here's the even better part. So this will give you that offline storage, will help you ride maybe what's coming up in August. Who knows what's going to, how is this Bitcoin civil war going to end? User activated soft fork. Well, before you do that, why don't you use up your Bitcoin? Because Roberts and Roberts Brokerage. They accept Bitcoin for buying precious metals, gold, silver, platinum, palladium. Jump on this. 
get, I mean, really decentralize your wealth. Don't have it in one spot. Don't have it in one type of technology like blockchains. Have it across the board and have it. Boy, if you can have it offline. Oh, fuck. Yeah. And I mean, this is the ultimate offline storage of wealth. And it has been for a long, long time time. So go to Roberts and Roberts Brokerage, rrbi.co. Let them know that the Golden Stallion sent you, or you can go to gold.zog.ninja, whatever web address works for you, but rrbi.co. Let them know that I sent you. Get Golden with the Golden Stallion, and I cannot thank them enough for being such a longtime supporter of Sovereign Tech. Jump on it. Woo! Let's get back to the show. Ugh. Ugh. Great Satan. Ugh. What's hitting us, Pixel? Too many missiles! The laser defense grid I designed. It can't shoot them down fast enough, Agent Sovereign. Main thrusters are destroyed, Agent Sovereign. Nazi ships are docking. They're boarding the hyper rocket. Ah. Agent Sovereign and Dr. Goldblossom, I presume. Takes them both. No! Let go of me! Ah. I don't know if a quick hack can solve this one. Hack sick. Oh, yeah. Whew. All right. Well, this is... <laughs> it's time for Hack Sec, where we talk issues of hacking and security. Of course, on this show, hackers are heroes. Uh, I'll tell you real quick, Black Hat's coming up. And, you know, there's going to be so many things to talk about after Black Hat. Uh, There is every year, you know, it's just a huge conference. Um, We will talk about that. Well, after it happens, I mean, there's already been previews of some of the exploits that people are going to be talking about. Um, You know, we'll we'll break into that after it happens. So don't worry. I might even do a whole special about it. We'll see. But anyway, I read on i mean it's hosted on medium but this is a full-on kind of publication called hacker noon uh, and this was written by daniel jeffries who's an author um i read this this blog post and i personally i can't believe i didn't write this like it sounds like an episode of sovereign tech quite frankly uh but it was so beautiful that I want to read some of it to you and I want to comment on it. Uh, but I mean, I guess I'm kind of, you know, giving it away early here. Look, I think that this is fucking spot on. There's one crucial point that only Sovereign Tech could really bring up that he misses. But otherwise, it's absolute brilliance. I'm not taking anything away from this guy. I mean, just just fantastic write up. So let's start reading it. And it is there is no more encryption debate. Backdoors threaten the whole world. Uh, fuck yeah. So <laughs> whoo, let's read it here. The encryption debate ends now. As a society, we simply can't allow backdoors in encryption. Anyone who tells you otherwise has absolutely no idea how computers work. Backdoors are a threat to the security of the entire world. Now, Stanley breaking in for one second. Backdoors, of course, just mean security exploits. All the ones you've heard about. I mean, every, you know... <laughs> Like all, all the all the bad things that that, that kind of happen that get in through sort of a zero day and stuff like that, those are backdoors. And into encryption, he's making the point it's a real problem. So let's read on. There is, I mean, like picture a backdoor that allows people to see what you say on signal, right? That's that's kind of what's being referenced here. So reading on. There is no more room for debate here. No more compromise. Woo! Right on. 
As the Petya ransomware virus rampages across the planet, shutting down hospitals, schools, and major businesses everywhere. We talked about Petya last week on, on Sovereign Tech. Obliterating data with a vengeance. We have all the proof we'll ever need that nobody can build a backdoor and keep it safe. Why? Because Petya and WannaCry, which we've also talked about on Sovereign Tech, both use powerful exploits that the NSA kept secret for years. Right up until they couldn't. And there's more, there's more to come. The shadow brokers keep dumping cyber weapons from the NSA's Pandora's box. Expect more viruses and damage to critical infrastructure. The worst part is that this isn't even surprising. Now, Stallion breaking in for a second here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and, and the reason why it's a problem, I mean, you know, this, this, art, this, this blog will explain it. It will explain it a bit more. But the reason it's a problem is that Kind of like Microsoft, how they were able to solve Petya and WannaCry. Once they knew about it, they could instantly fix it. And they did pretty much instantly fix it, you know, in, in Windows 10 and whatever else. So people, you know, reporting it, knowing about it and all that. Yeah, that's important. Holding it for years like the NSA was, you end up with what happened with WannaCry and, you know, Petya, even though that affected, not unironically, very specific countries. But... Anyway, um, let's uh, let, let's read on here. Eventually, secrets will always, always leak from big, sprawling bureaucratic entities. I want you to take a good long look at the list of U.S. companies and agencies that were breached over the last decade. And there's a link and you can check it out in the show notes for uh, for the massive list. Go ahead. Take your time. Here's a brief roundup of the world's greatest hacking hits. IRS. Medicaid, NASDAQ, UK Ministry of Defense, UK Customs, US Army, US DOD, you know, Department of Defense, Department of Veteran Affairs, NSA, Bank of America, 70 different law enforcement agencies across the US, Florida Department of Juvenile Corrections, State of Texas, DNC, the Democratic National Committee, Federal Reserve Bank of Cleveland, and JP Morgan Chase. Boy, can you imagine why JP Morgan Chase would be interested in Zcash? Yeah. Reading on. And we're going to leave the keys to a backdoor in the hands of people who can't keep their own houses locked. He's talking about how most of those are government organizations and they got hacked into. They can't keep their shit together. So why the fuck should they be holding on to, uh, you know, zero days and exploits and backdoors and awareness of backdoors that companies could easily fix if they just told them about it? Where's your tax dollars working for you? I guess not. Taxation is theft anyway. Reading on. That's like handing a loaded gun to a raging derelict in New York City. Ben Franklin said, quote, three people can keep a secret if two of them are dead, end quote. Woo. 100 percent of tech, ex tech experts agree we can't build backdoors. Only the quote unquote good guys get to use. It's not even remotely possible. And Stallion breaking in, this tech expert agrees. You, you just don't have backdoors and you deal with the risks of that because the risks of not having backdoors are, are, are well, <laughs> it believe me, it weighs out in the end to where not having backdoors is far more beneficial than being able to spy on some kind of software or whatever else. A hundred percent, or let's see, this isn't even the climate change debate. I'm talking 100% agreement, not 97%. There's no wiggle room. If you're a politician looking to hire a 
quote-unquote red-blue team to fake debate this, you won't find a single real tech person who agrees with you. Not one. So don't bother. You know, Stanley, Stanley breaking in again. I want to talk about this. So last week, I had some very harsh words for politicians um, talking about, uh, you know, tech. And, and like it was with um, Kaspersky, where they wanted Kaspersky to hand over his source code. And I said that, you know, most politicians, if not all, have no fucking clue what they're looking at if they looked at source code. Some people emailed me and said, oh, but they have experts that they hired to do this. If there's an expert telling a senator that, no, no, yeah, you can have a backdoor or some shit like this, that's no fucking expert. That's just another goddamn moron in Washington. No, there are there are no experts giving senators great advice, okay, in Washington D.C. unless unless the senators just don't give a shit. And they let all this stuff pass and go on and on forever anyway, you know, actions by the NSA, CIA, FBI, AT&T and every other government organization. Bullshit, they have fucking experts. Their experts suck. They're not experts. Reading on not one. So don't bother. You'll find fools and other people who think that computers work like magic powered by unicorns and pixie dust or who march to talking points like lemmings off a cliff. But you won't find anyone who actually knows a thing about computers to agree with you. And this is Stanley breaking in again. Son of a bitch. <laughs> this is the, what I hate about Apple. This is one of the things I really hate about Apple. We want it to just work like magic. Stop that. Tell people how this shit works. Stop that narrative that this stuff works like magic. Yeah, I blame them for part of this. Reading on. Make no mistake, as soon as we cripple encryption with backdoors, we've built a ticking time bomb. We've sacrificed real safety for the illusion of safety, something we've gotten very good at as a society. Woo! That's a point. Reading on. It's not a question of if the keys to a backdoor get out, but when. And when... When it does, it will be a disaster for the entire world. Nothing will be safe. Banks will get raided with impunity, and people's entire life savings will vaporize in seconds. People will die as critical medical equipment seizes up in ransomware attacks that make today's global assaults look like child's play. Voting systems will collapse. Woo, I'm all for that, baby. Uh, let's see. Military communications will crumble, and all because we're no longer willing to accept risk in society. We've become so desperate to stop terrorism that we've lost our minds. We can't make rational decisions anymore. We can no longer accept that there are always going to be bad people who do bad things. The answer is not to punish everyone else, but to punish the people who did those bad things. Now, I'm not going to get into that, but this is a huge point. Okay. And this is a point for whether you believe in a society with some kind of a state whether you believe in a society with some kind of enforcement body, or if you're like me, you know, you're a full-on anarchist, and there's none of that shit, okay? There is no state. It's stateless, blah, blah, blah. Life is not safe. There is no safety. is an absolute illusion, no matter what you do. And that's my, that's kind of speaks to my point I was trying to make earlier. Look, the best thing that you can do is just try and lock down what you have as best as possible. There is no advantage Okay, it is only disadvantaged and it is only the, the potential for far greater harm if you have cracks, you know, effectively in your encryption, in your, uh, you know, personal little system that you use as an individual, not some kind of system as in society. The more that all of our shit's locked down, the safer everybody is. 
It's not like you can you, you don't just let one little group have all the keys to the kingdom. No, 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 because that eliminates that entire network effect. Huge problem. That's such a great point. We won't accept risk of society. We we're so like hungry. Please keep me safe. When that, that's a boogeyman, it's a spook, it's a phantasm. It doesn't exist. Let's read on. Instead, the prevailing logic is that we should cripple the entire system to give us the comfortable illusion that the bad guy will be the bad guys will be easier to find, but they won't. The Irish Republican Army blew up a lot of cafes in Britain in the 1960s and 70s, long before we had encryption. The 9-11 scumbags didn't have WhatsApp. They killed 3,000 people anyway. And still, we have the UK's Theresa May calling for backdoors, as well as the Australian government and the FBI in a coordinated attack on common sense. You can spot a lying politician easily. Of course, they all are. But if there's a nasty attack, watch how the talking heads pop onto TV. Uh, TV's the very next day crying about the need to stop encryption. This makes them automatic liars because they'll have no evidence encryption was even used in the attack. It's literally impossible. Investigations don't move that fast. So the only rational conclusion is they're just exploiting a, trage- a tragedy for their own agenda. That's why after the Paris attacks in 2015, the talking heads were out in force only to find out the attackers used plain text messages. They used SMS right out in the open. But I'm not saying that the bad guys won't use encryption. They will, and they do. ISIS built their own secure messaging app. Here's the thing, though. I'm betting ISIS wouldn't, won't be giving us the backdoor keys to their messaging app anytime soon. So how is mandating backdoors to WhatsApp going to help? It's not, because the politicians know this isn't about stopping terrorists. It's about spying on average, average citizens and journalists and activists. It's about being lazy. It's about wanting centralized control of everything. They can't help it. It's in their nature. A scorpion stings even when the sting will sink them. It's real simple. If a politician is calling for backdoors, it's for one of three reasons. They have no idea how computers work, or they're willfully ignorant, or they're lying. My guess is that 99% fall into the bullet point three, that being they're lying, because experts have been telling them this over and over and over since the 1990s. They know this is impossible. They just don't care. They're willing to compromise the security of the whole world because of their stupidity, and that's not just stupid, it's dangerous. They now use the boogeyman of terrorism to justify the passage of every single misguided and dangerously overreaching law. Police can steal money from citizens for no reason, like they're a bunch of crooked Mexican cops rolling ter- or, yeah, rolling tourists at spring break. Intelligence agencies can spy on every single person with impunity, while a secret court gives them a rubber stamp 97.97% of the time. Homeland Security can hold people indefinitely without trial, or tourism in- our tour- tourism industry is crashing. Nobody wants to come to our country because getting through the door is now such a nightmare what the hell are we doing now i could stop right there there's more and i mean it's just it's brilliantly uh you know all all well written some a point i do want to bring up is that it just in the past couple days there was a supreme court ruling that when you are entering the country border patrol agents cannot access they can access anything say on your on your devices you know they're talking about how the tourism industry in this is is tanking right okay so the concern is is that yeah because you know they're gonna they're gonna digitally you know uh uh, 
I don't want to use the term rape. You know, they're just they're going to digitally like spy completely into your life if you come through because they're going to look at your laptop. They're going to look at your smartphone and all this. Now, the claim apparently is now. And of course, what the Supreme Court says and what border agents do are two very different things often enough. And we have plenty of historical precedent for that. Okay, but. The court, U.S. court, is ruling saying that you cannot, if it's something locally on the device, like downloaded text messages or something like that on the device, you can look at it. But if it's on a remote server, like social media stuff, like your your tweets, uh, Facebook posts, whatever, that they are not allowed to look at those. Like they are not allowed to ask for that. Uh, also, there was the laptop ban. I don't know if we talked about this last week on the show. There was the laptop ban from certain Muslim countries that has been lifted. Uh, so I understand that to some degree that is changing, but it's probably only changing because this narrative hopefully is hitting home for so many people. The narrative that I'm reading right now from this guy. Fantastic writing. Um, let me read a little bit more here. The founding fathers, fuck them, are rolling in their graves. They didn't want star chambers and a complete lack of transparency from their leaders. That's why they threw those stamps in the sea. How about or how much more ridiculous does it have to be have to get before we wake up? Uh, I hate when people use the term wake up, but whatever. Aren't we tired of compromising the rights and freedoms of everyone because of a few crazies? That's like punishing everyone in the barracks because of one because one guy snuck in a jelly donut. It makes no sense. Of course, that's a reference to uh, a full metal jacket. Anyway, fuck the terrorists we're not supposed to change for them we're supposed to go right on doing what we like because it drives them crazy living and that's kind of a horseshit narrative too but anyway there's still some brilliant stuff going on here living living openly drinking smoking and screwing speaking our minds praying and worshiping whoever we want without fear instead we've done the opposite we've comprised compromised our freedoms across the board we treat everyone in society like a child now by saying we need backdoors to stop terrorists politicians are openly saying we need to compromise the security of banks the stock market hospitals and the military what sane person would think that that's a good idea well i have comments about that but you get my point encryption is not my enemy it's essential to our national security. Insane, fanatical extremists are the enemy. All right. So there, there's a little bit more here that he goes on with, but he, he kind of gets more into the political tirade. The point that he kind of misses in all this, and that's why I want to read a little bit uh, past that you know, point of what the hell is going on, which I think is the beautiful way really to end uh, that article. But the reason I wanted to read on with the, you know, a little bit more of that is because the, the author of this blog, so well done. Like I said, I'm not taking anything away from you. You're missing the point. Government, every single government, government by its very fucking nature is a terrorist organization. They are the terrorists. So, of course, <laughs> you know, like they're not, you know, I mean, he, he's right in calling them out, but he misses the point that all the things he's saying that we need to be protecting and blah, 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 themselves are terrorist organizations. That's the point you miss. That's why you're saying, like, why, what is going on? This doesn't make any sense. They have to know better. Are they just that stupid? Blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, they're stupid, but they are a terrorist organization. They are an occupying force on every part of the planet that they occupy. That's the key to understanding. Why doesn't this make sense? It is so fucking obvious. Every security researcher, 100% across the board, says, no, motherfucker, you can't put back doors in these things, and we just have to live with the risk of the fact that you're not going to be able to spy uh, you know, on, on, on signal communications or whatever else. The reason that they don't care about that is because they are a fucking terrorist organization. It's that simple. Explains the whole mystery. And it explains and it highlights why it is so important for the everyday individual 
to use encryption themselves and to support apps, companies, educational, you know, media, whatever, that gets people on board with this shit. Get using encryption. It's the only way to stop the terrorists. And they're all around. They're, they're all sitting in Washington, D.C. <laughs> they, they sit in the halls of Congress, every goddamn one of them. Brilliantly said. It's brilliantly said. The point, and he's right. The argument is over. You, you know, there, there cannot be backdoors in encryption because if stuff's not encrypted, then the entire, I mean, even if you love the system as a, even if you love society, if you love the legacy world, you know, if you love the banks and you love this and blah, 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 you have to have encryption without backdoors. Like I, like I kind of jokingly said earlier, seriously, I think JP Morgan knows this. And that's why they want to use zero knowledge proofs. They want to jump on board with cryptocurrencies because they're like, holy shit, if there's backdoors, we're fucked. Maybe they're at least listening to their security researchers. Not that I'm a fan of JP Morgan Chase by no fucking means. This is important. This is a big deal. It's not as simple as, oh, I don't care about my privacy, blah, blah, blah. No, you don't get it. You don't fucking get it. Everything you do relies upon, you know, some degree like program security in our interconnected computer run world. Okay. Everything relies on encryption to stay afloat, to be counted on in any remote sense. Everything. And anything that endangers that. Okay. Whether it's the terrorists overseas, the terrorists, you know, that call themselves the government whatever it's a problem use encryption please please anything i take away that that you take away from this please start using use signal i could go down the list of all the apps that that you use use signal use pgp get on board with the shit demand i'll be back with more You know, I actually, here's an easy way. Okay. If you want to start, maybe you've never cared about encryption. Maybe you never cared about using encrypted devices and all that before. An easy way to get started. If you use an Android phone, or even if you have an iPhone, because a lot of the suggestions and apps in it also exist for iPhone and are usable for iPhone. Um, <laughs> this is going to sound crazy. Look, buy my book. Okay. Dark Android 2017 edition. Uh, the no nonsense guide to securing your mobile device uh, and reclaiming your privacy. You can find it at darkandroid.info. So all you got to do is type that in. It'll take you right to the uh, to the Amazon page of all things where you can buy the the ebook of it. It's only $2.99, darkandroid.info. It's all, there's screenshots galore. It's step-by-step. It walks you through every process of getting started going down this road. And this is for everybody. This book is literally for, for every, anybody can pick this up. And if you know how to use a smartphone, you know, even to the slightest degree, you can use this book. So jump on it, darkandroid.info. Let's get back to the show. Where, where am I? And where are my clothes? Ah, you are awake. You are in one of our oldest moon bases, Dr. Goldblossom. 
This one was built in 1951 and has been used by the Third Reich ever since for various experiments, much like you. What do you mean, like me? Oh, we've already studied you and Agent Sovereign very thoroughly, Doctor. You're an experiment yourself. You're not exactly human anymore, are you? No, you're something much more now. And your Brian Sovereign is not at all who he appears to be. We know you found some kind of ancient technology on Earth. We've been looking for it too, and you're going to tell us where it is. I'm not telling you anything, you fascist bastard. I won't play your game. Yes, you will, Dr. Goldblossom. And you will lose! Game talk. Woo, all right, game talk, baby. <laughs> um, couple things to talk about here uh, for game talk. Won't, won't make this a, a, very, a very long one um, at all. But the first thing to talk about really is that, and, and I'm kind of shocked that this happened. But at first we thought this was just going to be in Japan uh, and maybe even Europe. Uh, the new 3DS, not the th- new 3DS XL. And of course, you know, the new 3DS is separate from the old 3DS. It was really a bad naming choice on Nintendo's part. Uh, not that that's, well, anyway, that's another conversation. So the new, the new 3DS, again, not the XL, has stopped global production and distribution. Um, it, it's just not going to be available anymore. Uh, so the new 3DS XL is still selling gangbusters, doing crazy numbers. But And that's really been the story even before there was the new 3DS, which came out about a year ago or so. Um, like the, when the XL was released, which is the larger version of the handheld of, of the Nintendo 3DS, you know, like it, it just, it took over. I mean, everybody, even the littlest of kids was buying the bigger, you know, the bigger version. Uh, so I get it. I understand why they put the, you know, why the new 3DS XL is still going to be the thing. Um, but what's also coming out, and this is, I think the real reason why it's stopping is that they have come out with, um, the, what they call the new 2DS XL. Now the new 2DS XL is a smaller device than the, the new 3DS XL. This is also kind of such a tongue twister. Um, but now some people might remember the 2DS, the Nintendo 2DS that came out a couple years ago. That was a 3DS, a Nintendo 3DS, but it didn't have the 3D screen, so they could sell it at a cheaper price. However, it had a couple of problems. One of the problems was is that like the, the design, it wasn't a clamshell design, which a lot of people love really ever since the, the Game Boy SP. Um and so it was just like this flat design, which made it kind of ugly. And it, it was just kind of missing certain features and whatever that that didn't work very well for it. So the, the 2DS wasn't that exciting. But the, the new 2DS XL, which I think is coming out July 28th in North America, if I'm not mistaken, uh, it's coming out earlier in other other parts of the world. But the new 2DS XL has the same size screens as the 3DS, the new 3DS XL. But it's a smaller device, kind of like the thing that's being discontinued, that being the new 3DS. Uh, and otherwise, it, it's actually feature matched. In fact, some reports, I've read some reviews that said that games, uh, the processor must be faster in the new 2DS uh, uh, XL. So that's something to look forward to. And it's, I think it's selling for 150 which is, I mean, that's that's a great price for what I, you know, some people were talking about in the Sovereign Tech Uncensored Facebook group, you know, saying like, oh, you know, should I get a Switch? Like, my daughter's really interested in getting a Switch and all this stuff. And I said, I was like, well, you know, really, if there's a choice, like, like if you're not married to getting the Switch and you just want to play Mario or something like that, I really think the 3DS is the greatest games, is 
either a the greatest game system of all time. I wouldn't argue that point. Or right now in the current generation of cons, quote unquote consoles that are available, I think it's the greatest console in the world. I think it's been the greatest console in the world since it came out. You know, even when it was the old 3DS, right? So the new 2DS XL, very cool, because uh, I don't really need the 3D. And, and most people that I talk to that have a 3DS, they turn off the 3D too. So so that's not a huge selling point. But to get a faster processor and all that, I mean, I think that's great. And there's still, understand, there's still amazing games coming out. There's the, you know, Samus Returns. There's the, the, the remake of Metroid 2 uh, coming out in September. There's, in fact, I just learned about this. I can't believe nobody fucking told me about it. But I just learned about this. Um, they are remaking Radiant Historia, which is my favorite Nintendo DS game of all time. It's an amazing RPG, just brilliantly done. It has to do with time travel and all that, and I'm a real sucker for time travel. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think they call it uh, Radiant, Historic, Radiant Historia Perfect Edition. I think it's coming out in March of 2018. So, you know, the 3DS XL slash 2DS XL, I mean, this is still a totally viable console that has tons of great games coming out for it. It's still very exciting. Uh, not, I really don't feel it's long in the tooth at all. Uh, the new 3DS, when it, you know, when they put the new moniker in front of it, I mean, that's really a new system. You know, it's not just an incremental push like that. That is a very new and only certain games will work on it. Uh, so, or you know, certain a lot of games that come out now require you to have the new 3DS or the new 2DS XL in this case. So, I think that that's a fine move. Um, the other thing I want to talk about quick for uh this week for game talk is oh man <laughs> this is like i've barely been able to touch it because it just came out today and again i'm recording on july 15th 2017 uh link is in the show notes for this mega maker oh yeah and it's mega-maker.com do you know what this is yes this is like you ever like a, it was a super mario maker where you can make mario levels and you can make your own mario game and everything and it you know officially licensed by nintendo in fact they even have that for uh for the the 3ds you can get uh, mario maker well mega maker is just what it sounds like i know you're already you're already finishing it for me it's mega man it's a game that's all about making your own fucking mega man levels it is so cool. <laughs> I, I was sweating about announcing it because like there was a story published about it earlier in the week and they said, yep, it's supposed to be out on the 15th. And I was like, oh, are they actually going to release it? Is it going to be there? And it's there. And I'm telling you, go there. And if you are interested in making your own Mega Man levels, go there now. Get your hands on it now because these kinds of things will get takedown notices, even though Capcom has been pretty good about this kind of fan game shit, uh, like with Mega Man versus Street Fighter and all that, which is an actual game. Um, you know, they, they've even been almost supportive as to where Nintendo takes shit down. Like, remember, there was Pokemon Uranium that we talked about on, uh, you know, a year ago or so on Game Talk. Uh, and there was that that other, you know, Samus or Metroid 2 uh, remake, which now we know probably why that got taken down, because now Nintendo's releasing their own. Uh, you know, Metroid 2 remake for the 3DS. Um, but anyway, go download this now because it might disappear. And then the only way you're going to be able to get it is if you go to like the torrent sites or something. Uh, but this is so fucking slick. Making your own Mega Man levels, making your own Mega Man game. How the fuck could you not want to do that? So it's in version 1.0. This is not beta. They didn't. I love it. This is the right attitude for developers. And that's that's when you have passionate, independent developers. You release it when it's fucking done. That's when you put the product out there. Uh, obviously, they can't make money off of it out of copyright concerns, but this is so cool. So head over to mega-maker.com. I can't wait to tear in this. This is going to be very, very exciting. Uh, so anyway, whoo, that's it for Game Talk this week. We'll be right back with some more. Whoo, Sovereign Tech, baby.
we don't have to what? What do you mean you don't have to take your clothes off? What a bunch of sh- Okay, okay, no, you don't have to take your clothes off to have a good time, but come on, we all want to, don't we? <laughs> I just, who who writes lyrics like that? I can't believe it. Uh, anyway, let's get back to Sovereign Tech. Now we'll make you talk, Dr. Goldblossom. No one can resist the torture of sexual pleasure from the Orgasmatron. Guards, put her in the machine. In just moments, she'll be singing like the canary. What? No! Don't! Activate the Orgasmatron. No! Oh! Oh! Oh, my. Yes! Oh, fuck! Oh! <laughs> of the week. Ooh, it's time for Album of the Week, where I tell people about music that either is fresh and just came out and will never get any press for the light of day, or it's something that might have been forgotten and, uh, you know, his days have come and gone, yet I never hear anybody else talking about it, but I still happen to listen to it all the time. Now, granted, some people uh, have some very serious debates about my my taste uh, in music, but obviously there's people trying to help me with that, and uh, like the inimitable M.K. Lords, she certainly opened my horizons as far as musical tastes go, and boy, she listens to the best shit. Uh, anyway, so, but this is something, this is a, a band that I enjoyed the hell out of that I don't know what happened. Well, I, I kind of know what happened, but they only made two albums, um, and the, the band is My Darkest Days, and really I'm going to recommend both albums, even though it's only supposed to be al- one album, you know, it's album of the week, it's not plural. Well, I'm giving you two. Uh, they did, in 2010, they came out with their self-titled album called My Darkest Days, and then in 2012, two years later, they followed it up with uh, Sick and Twisted Affair was the name of the album. This band is, I mean, it's kind of what they call butt rock, right? I mean, it kind of has that aughts kind of grungy rock sound, but it is just dripping with sex. I mean, dripping. It's just, <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, their their biggest song was uh, it was called "Porn Star Dancing," uh, and that had like a ton of you know Zach Wild as guest guitarist on it. I love Zach Wild. Um, even in, this might turn some people off, but Chad Kroger, who kind of found you know the front man for Nickelback, he found the band. Um, they don't really sound like Nickelback, so relax. Uh, I mean, not. Totally. But anyway, he sings a bit in it. And then Ludacris, you know, the rapper Ludacris is in that song. I love the song Porn Star Dancing. Just one of the most badass, sexiest, openly sexy, you know, just openly raunchy and debaucherous songs really ever written, in my opinion. And Zach Wilde's guitar is just so smooth. I mean, <laughs> man. So uh, so I, I love that. There, there's other great songs on, on their, their, their self-titled album. Uh, Move Your Body is is fantastic uh, and you want to get the deluxe edition because there's another there's kind of a slower song that's really good called fucked up situation uh that i enjoyed the i that's really good i try not to say that uh that's that's really really enjoyable i don't know i like i i i, I dig what they're what they're putting it's it's slower but it's all talking about an affair and it's i don't know i think it's kind of cool um then there is the second album which is sick and twisted affair not as good as their self-titled uh, in fact, you know, the self-title also had, they did a cover of Duran Duran's Come Undone. I thought they, I thought they delivered. Uh, their singer, what's his name? Matt, um, Matt Walst. He's actually, so this is what happened to the band. I'll, I'll talk more about Sick and Twisted Affair in a second. Uh, Matt Walst in 2013 ended up becoming the front man 
or got hired as the front man for Three Days Grace. Obviously a much bigger band, even though I still don't think they're a huge band, but a much bigger band than, um, you know, than My Darkest Days was, who were still trying to, you know, still kind of cutting their chops. And <laughs> Did I say that right? <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, so I know that that's pretty much what, what happened there. But I, I think he's a, he's a solid singer. It's got a great look, and just the, the sound is, is phenomenal. Um, but anyway, Sick and Twisted Affair, not as good as, not, not as, uh, not as you know, track for track, which I, I think, by and large, their self-title is track for track. Now, it's hard to do a sophomore album. If you're a Sovereign Tech patron, you've heard me talk about this whenever music would come up, is that, you know, that first album is like all of your musical, you know, all your musical energy, for lack of a better word, kind of, you know, compressed into one. But then once you let that energy go that you've been working on to get that record deal, what happens with the second album? Sometimes it doesn't live up to the, you know, live up to the hype of the first. Sick and Twisted Affair, there's a great, there's there's a song on it that I like called Casual Sex, which has that same open kind of debauchery and wildness and just pure sex uh, you know, on display. In fact, the music video for it is fucking hot as hell. Ron Jeremy's in it and everything. It's really wild. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but casual sex that I, another, another fantastic song, but the rest of the album doesn't really hit me. Uh, but the, I mean, it's totally worth it for the song casual sex. In fact, you could just get the EP for that if you wanted. Um, but, but, uh, sick and twisted affair, the whole album doesn't deliver as much, but that first album I think is hot as hell. I mean, like it, it it's just, it's so rare that I really get to talk about, at least in our mo- more modern days. I mean, t- you know, it's 2010, 2012, not that far back. It's so rare that I get to talk about albums that are, you know, again, very sexy and like all about spreading. No, you know, let's fuck, let's fuck, let's get it on. So My Darkest Days, check them out. Two albums. I think they're well worth it. I'll be right back. The most incredible television event ever. As you join the crew of Battlestar Galactica. Right here, you creepy crawly. I have led the entire human race to ruin. The last of mankind, fighting for life in a hostile galaxy. Most of us are dead. Alone, with only one hope, Battlestar Galactica and her crew. There is no other destination. Commander Adama. Captain Apollo, the intrepid Starbuck, and the dazzling Athena, searching for a new and peaceful world. We may as well live for today. We might not have many left. Let the attack begin. New age of high adventure, Battlestar Galactica. Agent Sovereign. He's... Where is he? Dr. Goldblossom? Agent Sovereign? 
I was just coming to rescue you. What? But I was just coming to rescue you. Women can rescue themselves, Brian. Clearly. Tune of the week. It is time for Tool of the Week. Won't be a long one this week. Uh, something that you might find useful. And I recently discovered uh, this service. Not that I'm necessarily going to do it, at least not right now. Uh, but let's say you're a heavy-duty Twitter user. And let's say you suddenly have a crisis of conscience of some kind. Or maybe, you know, you heard that encryption debate and you're just like, oh, God damn it, I don't want any of my shit out there. I want everything to be encrypted. So, you know, and Twitter's out in the open. I don't want this. How do you get rid of all your tweets without maybe deleting your Twitter account? Because certainly there is an argument to be made. I'm not saying I agree with this entirely, but there's an argument to be made for holding your account as in having, uh, you know, an account on various social media services just so that no one can pretend to be you. And there's always that official account sitting there, whether you ever use it or not. Right. Um, I totally understand that argument. You know, again, I'm not saying I agree with it entirely. Because also having more accounts are just more attack vectors, uh, you know, for for people to to really you know use against you. So uh, there is a service that that you can use called uh, let's see, <laughs> there, there's two of them, but I, there's one in particular that I like better than the other. Yeah, one was Tweet Aside. There's one. It's called Tweet Delete, and you can find it at TweetDelete.net. And what Tweet Delete you, you, you'll use it. It's like a you know it connects to your Twitter account for a minute. And then it will just and I think it does thirty two hundred tweets at a time. So if you tweet a lot, this might take a little bit longer than you want it, but you can just keep redoing it. And it will, you know, if you haven't done more than thirty two hundred tweets, it'll get rid of every tweet you ever did in one shot. It'll just auto delete all of them. And it's browser agnostic. Uh, so it is, as far as I've seen anyway, so you, you know, you can use it on, on anything and it just, it will instantly delete all of your tweets. I'll tell you the far more interesting thing. Now I know you can do this when you, if you use, uh, was it tamper monkey or grease monkey, whatever they call it. Um, depending on what browser you're using there, there is a way I think with Firefox there is, you can use, I think they call it tamper monkey, not grease monkey. Anyway, you can use that. And there's a script that you can run where you can delete all of your Facebook posts which that would be the service more that I'm interested in. But I imagine Facebook probably actively tries to keep that sort of thing from happening, which, you know, I mean, that that's part of the op- the somewhat open nature of Twitter it used to be far more open. But the somewhat open nature of Twitter is what allows for, you know, a service like TweetDelete.net to to even work. So maybe that's something that you're considering. I'm just tossing it out there. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong. I mean, Twitter, as far as like setting up security and all these different things, does a much better job with perfect forward secrecy and other stuff than really any of the other social media platforms out there. Okay, Uh, and it's also one that allows for a degree of anonymity and other things. So it's the you know least detestable of the bunch. So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with using Twitter. I'm just saying if you do want to delete all your tweets, well, here's the solution, and that's what Tool of the Week is all about. Anyway, I'll be right back with some more Sovereign Tech, baby. You know, I want to tell you something. If you want to keep an eye, talk about keeping an eye on things. If you want to keep an eye on the entire cryptocurrency space, on the crypto space, what's happening with Bitcoin, what's happening with Zcash. We were talking about Zcash earlier. Uh, You know, what's happening with... I don't know, whatever, Dash, Zencash, you know, or Zen, whatever they call it. I mean, all these different things. If you want to know what's going on with them, 
go to CryptoCompare.com. I keep this tab open at all times. I am always watching the price. It's ready to go. Sometimes I keep it up on a nice second screen for me so that I can always keep an eye on it. And I mean, there's great reviews. There's all, I mean, it's just, it's a tremendous, tremendous resource. Even if you want to compare it to the gold price, you can do it that way too. Uh, so check it out. CryptoCompare.com. We thank them for sponsoring Sovereign Tech. and I got away from the Nazi base. We're at the position on the dark side of the moon where he said we'd find it, but we don't see anything. Excellent, Agent Sovereign, Dr. Goldblossom. The plan continues, and what we came here for is right in front of you. Where are you, Pixel? I'm already inside it. So, you know, for tech history this week, I was actually, I was going to do, there's a whole story. And I, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago when the, the amazing Ellen Ball and of course the lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy, when they were on the show, I had briefly mentioned how there's talk of the army creating a, the U S army creating a space Corps. Well, there has been a lot of confirmation about that. There's a lot more to say about it. Um, and I'm going to spare you from me talking about outer space <laughs> necessarily uh, in this episode. You're certainly getting it in another way, aren't you? Uh, and so I'm going to save that uh, for next week, uh, perhaps during. And I mean, it doesn't exactly fit into tech history anyway. So maybe that'll end up being our main story. But I'm just going to give you a break from that. And whew, I'm just going to jump. We'll jump right in. We'll skip tech history this week. Uh, and we'll jump right into uh, the climax because, well, I got something interesting that I want to review. And uh, boy, I hope you're enjoying the story. Woo. Be right back with more. Babylon 5 ended a great war and united a hundred alien races in peace. Danger didn't die. It just went underground with new heroes and new evils to carry the torch. We need to make sure they all understand we will not be intimidated. What is wrong with you people? We have to play him against himself. It's an entire new season of Babylon 5 with all new episodes. Babylon 5 is available for download on your favorite torrent site. See it now to experience the greatest show in television history. Babylon 5. Welcome aboard the Hypercronius, Agent Sovereign. It's incredible, Pixel. Contact Stephanie and Valeria. Let them know we'll be swinging by the Antarctica base to pick them up. I can't believe something this old is still functioning. What can this thing do, Pixel? More like, what can't it do, Adrian Sovereign? And it's all yours. It's not the only thing that's all yours tonight, Agent Sovereign. Dr. Goldblossom, I... Being on the bridge of a starship is such a turn-on. Brian, why don't you take the center chair and let me... Dr. Goldblossom. Yeah. Oh. Oh, just like that. Oh. 
Climax. Ooh, it is time for the Climax. Oh, man. Is it time? <laughs> anyway, uh, whew, just setting up stuff here in the studio. I am enjoying endlessly working in this studio, I, I have to say. I mean, I kind of miss sort of the larger studio that we have uh, with, with Stephanie's main studio. But uh, Studio 2, or Brian's, what is it, Brian's Sex Sex and Magic Dungeon, or Brian's Dungeon of Sex and Magic, is <laughs> actually a lot of fun. So, But still, still adding stuff, still working on things here and there, uh, getting the process down, whatever else. So anyway, um, something I have to review. In fact, I'm going to pull it out right now. No, it's not what you think. Uh, something I have to review for the Climax this week, and the Climax is where I can talk about whatever the hell I want to talk about. Movies, comic books, TV shows, games, you know, it, it could be anything, a topic, you know, or sometimes it's hardware, sometimes it's software, uh, and it's hardware this week, and it's actually a new phone that I'm using as my daily driver. Uh, I've been testing it out for uh, approximately a week or so, uh, and it is the Moto E4. Now, the Moto E4 is part, well, it's the fourth generation of the Moto E series. Moto, of course, is Motorola, which was bought out a few years ago by Lenovo. Um, and the Moto E series, a lot of people were really excited at first about the Moto, uh, the Moto series because, well, the Moto E series particularly, because they are, you know, really inexpensive phones, you know, in the $100 range. Uh, they kind of, I mean, I, I think really what happened was is that Moto created the Moto G, which was a waterproof phone, very nice feature set, kind of a smaller phone, but it became so popular, you know, because it was in that $200 range that usually you didn't get a great phone with at the time a few years ago, you know, now like the Moto was a day up to the G five now. I mean, it's just, it's exceptionally popular. Um, and in fact, it's not even really a small phone anymore. Um, so the Moto E series came out, I think to kind of fill the niche of where the Moto G was graduating into becoming really Lenovo's flagship phone. You know, I mean, whether the price got there or not, I mean, now a Moto G, like a premium Moto G, ends up costing about $300, which is very different from what it's, you know, its original, I guess, philosophy for existence. And the Moto E is really taking that place. Now, with the E4 series, there is the Moto E4, and then there's the Moto E4 Plus. Uh, and in fact, both phones, I think they, now these just came out, uh, the E4 Plus, I think, you know, took came out a couple weeks later, like just came out. But the Moto E4, the, you know, just the E4 without the Plus, that came out at the end of June, like June 30th, like literally the end of June. And it's already like it's setting records with how much this phone series is selling, the Moto E4 series, be it the Plus or just the, 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 the normal version. I have the normal Moto E4, and there's a reason that I got the normal the normal Moto E4. And there is a difference. I just I'll lay this out. There is a difference between the international version of it and the American version of it. The, you know, the U.S. version, uh, the U.S. I mean, one thing that stands out quickly for both of them, you know, be it the E4, or the E4 plus is that in America, it's completely plastic phone uh, around the world. It's actually an all metal phone. Amazingly. Um, also, the other major standout is that uh, internationally it has NFC but I think it has like the MediaTek chip, a little bit of a weaker chip, uh, but in America it does not have NFC. Not a huge deal. Admittedly, I wish that, uh, that it had NFC. I'll tell you why I got the smaller one in a second. I wish it had NFC just so it could interact with my YubiKey. I really have no other reason to use NFC. I mean, yeah, and for VR, it's, it's helpful, but I'm not too concerned anymore about my phone being used for VR. In fact, I kind of rather it wouldn't. 
um, because I think that really VR, as far as what's happening in the mobile space with Daydream and all that, will really come to fore with, you know, Google's dedicated VR headset that they'll be releasing, which is an all-in-one headset. Like, you don't connect it to your computer or anything. You don't have to plug in your phone. It works completely independently. So I'm more excited for that, really. Um, now, so, so you know, NFC, yeah, it sucks that I, I can't really interact with my YubiKey with it, but otherwise, uh, you know, it's it's fine. Um, the reason I went with a smaller phone was, well, there, there's a few different reasons, but one of them is, is that, like, really, I don't want to do that much with my phone. I, I'd much more want to interact, you know, when I'm getting shit done, when I'm writing and doing all this other stuff, like, I want to get it done on a laptop. I want it, I want it on a machine that's like, that's made for really getting shit done. Um, so, you know, my phone didn't need to be huge, uh, at all. The other thing is, is that really even, you know, and look, I have XL size hands. I mean, I have big, you know, it's not, I'm not boasting. I'm just saying I have large hands and these, the phones are getting kind of crazy. Like where even I have a hard time and they're getting fairly heavy. Uh, even I have a hard time really handling, you know, their, their, their size with one hand. And a lot of times I'm using my phone while I'm working out. You know, and so also when you have a larger phone in your pocket, I mean, it's like, honestly, the larger phones are becoming a pain in the ass. And so I actually wanted a smaller phone. Like I could have gotten the E4 plus, but I I went with just the stock E4 and it's just a five inch screen. And you'd say, well, okay, so, you know, the E4 is a five inch screen, the E4 plus and the average smartphone today is now a 5.5 inch screen. You think there wouldn't be that big of a difference in size? Oh, there's a big difference. There's a huge difference. And I can easily use this with with one hand. And it's so lightweight. I mean, you almost forget about it. And that's part of the beauty of this. Okay, I'm going to break down into tech specs in a minute. But part of the beauty of having a smartphone that kind of disappears in your pocket is you don't fucking think about using it. That is such a nice little subconscious, you know, kind of kind of aspect to this. Like when you stop treating, you know, your smartphone like a Cadillac, um, you know, you, you sort of lay off of it. You, you kind of stop using it. I, I, I really, really like that, um, you know, about this. I love that it's so lightweight. I love that it kind of that it just disappears. You know, I mean, yeah, I know the inverse is, is that. Well, if you don't think about it, it's always listening. About it. Yeah. Well, look, I'm the golden stallion. I know. <laughs> OK, I'm not thinking about it that way. It's just nice to not use it even if I'm going to have it with me. Um, and I mean, it has a lot of other niceties about it too. It doesn't, some people might think this is a disadvantage. I think it's an advantage. Um, it doesn't have like a little light on the front and like a notification light. Another aspect where you don't end up using it because it's not flashing notifications. Uh, you can set it to where there's a setting for moto phones in particular, uh, where the screen can just kind of like light up briefly to let you know that there's a notification. But I turned that off just like you could turn off a notification light. Uh, but also it's nice that when I go to charge it, there's no notification light. Some people see that as a disadvantage. I see it as an advantage uh, because I don't like to have any lights. I mean, I sleep in what, you know, Stephanie and I sleep in what is effectively a cave. <laughs> I mean, or at least it feels like one. Um, and so no, no more, no other lights coming from anything. Great. You know, uh, so. So I like that part of it. Uh, it does have, you know, as far as the tech specs go. Uh, it does have a, what is it, a 1.3 gigahertz um, quad core. Yeah, it has a Snapdragon 465 or, or uh, whatever it was. Yeah, the Snapdragon 425, uh, which is which is fine. Uh, the battery life on it, phenomenal, phenomenal. Now, granted, I don't install the Facebook app, and that saves me a ton of battery life. But I I easily get through a day. I mean, easily. We're talking a long day. <laughs> you know, from you know, it could be from like uh, from 8 a.m. 
all the way until, you know, 3 a.m. at night. Uh, I mean, it easily goes through an entire day. I'm very impressed by the battery life on this thing. And it doesn't have a huge battery. It's only like a 2800 milliamper uh, battery. Uh, but again, like I said, I don't install bullshit apps on there like like the Facebook app. I mean, what I do is like I install Firefox and it runs Firefox fine. That can't be said for every phone. Um, it, it runs Firefox beautifully uh, for Android. And I just use, uh, you know, I just use the Facebook mobile site through that. And then it does great. Uh, really, it's only the, not even Messenger it's, or Groups. But only the fa- the main Facebook app is that battery drainer. And so I will not install it. Fuck them. Um so, yeah, I mean, the batteries, batteries, phenomenal. Uh, like I said, it feels good in the hand, even though it's plastic. Like, I, I don't I don't care about that. I know. I mean, there, there's something nice. I've had premium phones where, like, they have the leather backing and all that. Yeah, all that's very nice. But I, I don't really see the point. Uh, the camera is a little weak on this. I consider that a feature that it can't take great pictures or that it doesn't take high quality pictures. Uh, you know, that that's a nice aspect of it. It does have one disadvantage that I took care of. It has a fingerprint reader on it, which is amazing. Understand, I didn't even talk about the price. The beauty of this phone is that it only costs like a hundred bucks. You know, it's some variance around there, but it's about a hundred bucks, depending on which way you go about getting it. Um, and that, I mean, that, that price is, is fantastic, you know. Uh, so it does have a fingerprint sensor. I don't like that. I turn it off instantly and disable it but it's there. Um, it does have a removable battery. How about that? That's a rarity in phones today. That almost makes it worth having. Uh, so you can have other batteries and instantly flip it out. Uh, it does have a micro SD card. It only has 16 gig of onboard storage. That sucks. Um, and admittedly you can now, the nice thing is that it has uh, Android version seven, one, seven point one point one, which is the latest, latest that's, uh, you know, out of beta. Uh, that's a nice, that's also a nice feature to have for a hundred dollar phone. Okay, because you have the most secure version of the operating system out there. Uh, There's a couple points to make on that. But one of the things that Android Nougat or Android 7 can do is it can merge your micro SD card and the onboard storage into one. So that way you don't have to worry because with only 16 gig of onboard storage, yeah, you can't install a ton of apps. I generally have a rule of not allowing for more than 100 apps. Believe me, you get 100 apps, you know, in. You don't even realize it and you suddenly have 100 apps. It just fucking happens. You can't, you really can't help that. Uh, having having 100 apps or under is really a low amount. I mean, that's genuinely a fucking low amount. Um, and also, which is nice, you know, the version of Android it comes with, they don't really skin it. It's just the the stock like Pixel launcher looks like a pure Android. You know, there's no no skinning like Samsung or Asus does or anything like that. It's just stock Android. And that's, that's a really nice feature too. Um but anyway, so you can combine your, you know, to solve that problem of not having enough room for apps. Like if you're somebody that has 200, 300 apps or something, um, you could put in a micro SD card. The thing is you want to get a really fast micro SD card. I tried that at first with the phone and everything was running so slow. And as soon you know, any apps that it stored and you could tell the difference between what apps were being stored on the SD card and which ones weren't, uh, because the speed difference was just, I mean, it was so night and day. Uh, as soon as I, you know, detached the SD card as being, you know, part of the onboard memory, every, you know, every single app was just clipping. I mean, it was just moving, you know, with no problem at all. I mean, this isn't like a big multitasking phone, even though because it has Android seven, it can multitask. So you can run two windows. Um, but you know, I mean, it, for, for a phone that I kind of want to forget and not rely upon, it really does the job. I mean, it does the job very, very well. 
uh, far, and I've had cheap phones in the past too. Like I had the blue Vivo XL, um, which was good at first, but then it, it really started to, to crap out. Uh, and also, you know, it wasn't, there was a good bet that it wasn't going to get updated to new versions of Android in the future. Um, I think what I think is going to happen here now, the Moto E series was controversial. The, the first generation anyway, because uh, Lenovo, when they bought out Motorola, said they weren't going to effectively honor, they weren't going to honor the upgrade because one of the selling points of the Moto E was that you were going to get um, the next version of Android. Like they promised that they would update to it. Uh, and this is at the point when it was, and when it was uh, lollipop, when it was Android five. And there was a huge uproar around this. So I don't think Lenovo is going to make the same mistake where they're not going to update to a newer version of Android or something. In fact, it was such a huge uproar. The company did, did change their mind kind of where they said, okay, we'll update it to Android 5.1, which was a huge update, but that certainly wasn't going to, you know, to marshmallow, right? That wasn't going to Android six. Um, so that's a concern that maybe Lenovo won't update it, but I think like it's, it's setting, it's literally setting the series, the Moto E4 series is setting records in like the first 24 hours, like hundreds of thousands of phones are selling. It's crazy. Obviously the low price point is, you know, what makes that so, uh, so attractive. So, but I like the fact that it still has, it has a lot of the kind of the dark Android principles, the classic dark Android principles, the really extreme ones where it has the removable battery, very hard to find with the phone. Um, and it has, uh, you know, it has the micro SD card, which those have come back into prominence for a while. It seemed like they were trying to get rid of them. Um, it's not waterproof, but it is wa- very water resistant. Like they make a point, they make that a selling point. Uh, it does have a fingerprint reader, but you can kill that. That's that, you know, that's fine. And uh, I, I think it's going to end up getting updates. I think it's going to be updated very well. And I think because it's so popular, um, I think that it will end up having a very nice, uh, kind of aftermarket community around it where maybe lineage OS will end up on the Moto uh, E4 or even Replicant or something like that because it's going to be such an international hit and it already is. So I think this is, you know, if you're looking for a new phone and you don't want to spend much money, I think this is an absolute winner. Uh, I, I really, really like this phone and I, I don't see it slowing down. The stock Android experience helps with that and, uh, and I think it'll be getting updated pretty regularly or you could switch it over to, uh, you know, an Android compatible OS. So anyway... That's it for this week. Woo. You know, we released an episode every day this week on Patreon. If you're not a Sovereign Tech patron, jump on that shit. Go to SovereignTech.com, become a patron. All you got to do is at least a dollar a month. Some people do more. I guarantee you it is worth your time. You're going to love it. That's it for this week. I will see you woo, on the other side, baby. You just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com. That's S-O-V-R-Y-N-Tech.com and connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love and love is not subject to law. So please share the show however you like. Welcome to the evolution. Welcome to the evolution.